Tell your story, build your brand. ArtMediaNorthwest.com. A-R-T-M-E-D-I-A-N-W.com. And now, enjoy this conversation with Eric Longbine. All right. Eric, thanks for being on the podcast. Thanks for having me. Awesome. So we're here with Eric Longbine from The Heritage. And you play Dobro with The Heritage? I do. Yeah. And, and guitar. Yeah. And guitar. Awesome. All right. Can you tell us about uh, how you got involved in music and, and sort of where that started in your younger years? At, at the younger years. Yeah, the younger years. So I, rem- I mean, obviously remember like being a kid and having your musical toys. And the one that I always remember out of all my musical toys was, I don't know if you... You probably remember these. They were those little record players with like the plastic. Oh, yeah. Like those thick plastic like <laughs> Disney records. Yeah. That was like my first musical anything like okay. piece of gear. But I remember loving that thing. Like I would not put that thing down. So <laughs> that was my first musical toy. Okay. And sure. then as far as playing, um, you know, like like seriously learning an instrument, it was yeah. fourth grade. I okay. picked up uh, playing violin. Nice. And that was my very first learn to read music instrument. So did that for that year. And then in fifth grade is when they you could start band in public schools. Okay. Um, and it was the junior high teacher from Five Oaks Middle School where I went, who was also the elementary teacher at my elementary school. So for fifth and sixth grade, I was there and I started playing. I really wanted to play the French horn because I thought it looked super cool. And (laughs) then that got vetoed because I didn't have the right lips for it. So (laughs) I became a trombone player. Wow. Not against my will, but that's where he steered me to. So, you know, so playing with a band, like a concert band, that was my instrument. Wow. So I did that for fifth, sixth, seventh, eighth, ninth grade, five years, took lessons, like was really into that and then didn't have band at the high school I went to. So I grew up a couple blocks away from Aloha High School here in okay. Aloha or yeah. in Beaverton area who had an awesome marching band. Yeah. And but I ended up going to see Mason, the Arts and Communications Academy for photography is what I did back then too. Wow. So I just wanted to do that more than playing the band you know okay. that's like the only regret i have about not going to a larger high school is i didn't get to do that wow don't, don't care about anything else right <laughs> <laughs> so yeah so going to see mason but i also i started playing bass so all the bands that i played in after high school and in high school as bass player so started playing bass in when i got to junior high seventh grade like in the band room where all the instruments are there was just this bass guitar case sitting there and nobody played it in anything and I thought it was super cool. So I went to the band teacher and I said, hey, is there something I can p- play this on? Like, And he's like, well, if you learn how to play, I go, I'll, dude, I'll take lessons. Like, will you let me play something? So I took some lessons and then got to be the bass player in the, in the junior high jazz band. Oh, wow. And that was really cool. So that was like my first band I played a bass with was the jazz band. So I did all this like super contemporary stuff yeah and then after junior high went to there didn't have any of that so like that's when I met Tommy Kelson who was the drummer in not very good which was the punk band that happened after that so yeah yeah (laughs) and met him at school and then Jeep who is one of the owners of five star met him he lived in my neighborhood he was like the older kid we all he, he drove us all skateboarding everywhere so just and he was into music too so 
just meeting him through that. And like Tommy was part of that skateboarding group. So that's kind of how the three of us came together to start Not Very Good, nice. which was penfold when it first started. <laughs> Why still has a sticker on a guitar case. Um, yeah. That's so awesome. So that's kind of how that morphed in. And then many things, many things have happened since then. But yeah. That's kind of like how I got from beginning to, I guess, the middle. Okay. We'll call it. That's awesome. And then uh, do you still do photography? Is that something you're into or Just, was that a temporary kind of part? No, I, I love taking pictures. Yeah. Like I have, you know, an Instagram account like every other human being in the world. But <laughs> no, no, I love taking pictures. And my, you know, obviously I have very photogenic children. So yeah. they're fun to take pictures <laughs> of. But that nature stuff, when I go out on trips out to Eastern Oregon, I love photographing stuff out there. But it's all just done on my iPhone. I don't do it Okay. for money. Right. As a kid, did you see what your future self would be doing for a living? Or what did you see yourself doing when you were a child? As in, well, for what I do for a job now, I yeah. don't think anybody sees themselves being a furnace and air conditioner salesman okay. when they're little. Right. <laughs> like, hey. But I really I really like my job now because it affords me a lot of time to spend with my kids and yeah. and whatnot and, and takes care of us. And but man, you know, when I was when I was in high school. I went to, I wanted to be a musician. That's what I wanted to do. I love music. I played in two or three bands, you know, at the same, like out of school. And I really wanted to pursue that. And I remember my dad took me to, uh, uh, like at the Expo Center, there was a college fair, like all the different schools come mm -hmm. and you can talk to everybody. And Berkeley was the school of music. Yeah. And Boston, Boston was there. Yeah. And I wanted to go there so bad. And so my dad was not into that, was not super supportive of me doing music for a living at that age, which now that later on in life, he likes to tell me, I'm so proud of you that you went touring and got to do all that stuff when you were younger. And I'm just thinking like, why <laughs> really now? Like yeah. you could have been a lot more proud of me if you would have said me. Yeah. <laughs> Somewhere, so that was kind of a bummer. And well, Berkeley's not cheap, you know. And well, he, he, that wasn't the issue. Okay, and, the, and the, one the, out of five people the, that go there graduate. Yeah, but that could be because by the time you're through your first year at Berkeley, yeah. Berkeley, you're so good, you're already kind of at pro level. Sure. So. Hey, a lot of people, a lot of awesome bands have all met there, and then they get yeah, two years through school, and they're sitting here getting a record deal, and it's like, okay, I'm done. Like, <laughs> right? came here to accomplish my goal. <laughs> But, you know, just not getting the chance to That's tough, yeah. To to do that was kinda tough. So I just wrote angry punk rock angsty punk rock songs for the next fifteen years. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and not very good was the name, but your band was very good, I think. We were okay. Yeah. It was fun. A lot of fun. A lot of fun. Definitely. A lot of energy. Lots of energy. Yeah. That is true. And Jeep, you know, throwing his guitar around and yeah. everything. That was, that yep. was Oh, fun. yeah. He, he did the shoulder the, swing. The swing, yeah. yeah. I remember that. God. The day he got a cordless. <laughs> like the happiest day of his life. I, I remember when uh, he caught the guitar because it came off of the strap at yep. one of the shows. Yeah. It was just like that flame guitar. Do yep. you remember that I, one? I remember it fondly. I love that guitar. <laughs> uh so how important is music to your life at this point in your life? Music in general is very important. Like, I still listen to music constantly. I have a very large uh, spectrum of what I listen to. 
if there's questions about that later, we can dive into that. <laughs> I'm sure we will. I won't yeah. divulge, <laughs> but I'll be honest if it comes up. Yeah, no, it's very important. You know, it's important for my kids to, and I was telling you before we started here that Xander's like getting into piano and, uh, but they've got ukes and um, not so much re quite ready for guitar, I don't think. But it's important for me that, you know, Jen and I are both have such a deep musical background and spent so much of our lives doing that, that yeah. it's important that they, you know, it's not, it's one of those things like if your dad was uh, or your parents played sports, right. like you're going to play that sport. Yeah. You know, like you've got <laughs> the genes to do that. So, you know, I want, we need to nurture that in them. So that's important. Um, yeah. As far as me playing music, mm -hmm. we're not doing a lot of it just because we have a 18 month old little girl right. and everybody in the band has kids or they're living in Morocco for three <laughs> years. <laughs> right. So everybody's it's, kind of been gypsies. You know? Yeah. So, um, I mean, I really miss being up on stage. I love performing and you know, the heritage, we really only played like maybe four shows to, you know, all the recording we did and mm -hmm. we've gotten a lot of accolades and stuff from that, but yeah, haven't really played much out. Um, so I really want to, you know, get the band back together. <laughs> you know, it is important to me, but we just have to be, you know, being parents and having little kids, it's like you got to be at a, a place where you can make time for it and, like, not just to do it, but right. to commit to it and make sure you're doing it well. Where it makes sense yeah. to do it. Yeah. I don't want to half-ass two things. I want a whole-ass one thing. <laughs> there you go. A wise man That's it. <laughs> How many instruments have you played over the years? You you went through so it was French horn was one of them. Well, I never Violin. got to play. I never got to play French. No, horn. No, not French horn. Trombone. Because my lips right? weren't right. Yeah, wrong so, wrong lips. Violin, <laughs> wrong lips. Violin, trombone, bass, guitar, 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 um, the dobro. Mm -hmm. Now that Jen bought me and said, "Here, learn how to play this," <laughs> <laughs> which is cool. It's really fun. Yeah, it is. Um, you know, like stand-up bass, I think that still counts as bass, even though it is a little bit different of an instrument. But, yeah, I can play the ukulele a little bit. Yeah. I can play a little bit of piano. So, But mainly, you know, the guitar and bass guitar. I can still pick up the trombone and... You played it and for a lot of years. Make yeah. sounds with it that okay. sound good. Okay. So I don't know if I could. I, I haven't read music in so long because I was always a really well, except in in school playing trombone. Like I would, we were you reading to. sheet music. You had to. Yeah. But when I switched over to high schools and I didn't play in bands anymore, I stopped reading sheet music at that point. So everything that we did and all of the bands I've ever been in has always been just by ear okay really well what's funny is because you know we we talked about this story before of of ken's barbecue mm -hmm. and and eric uh you know at that point in time I, I i felt like i was a pretty good guitar teacher and i i learned stuff for students all the time by ear and and eric was there and you could say any song name from any era, any decade, and if he had even heard it before, he could play it in the original key. Just like has an ear that you like you wouldn't believe. So it really pissed me off, and, and it was <laughs> extremely humbling. You know, it's like so. Anyways, this is the uh, the, well, the that barbecue. means a lot coming from a really good guitar teacher. So. <laughs> I mean, yeah. even if it's just power chords, but it's still power chords in the right key. In the right key, key yeah. yeah. So, no, I think all of that. And the intonation. Yeah, power chords, intonation, it's all there. It's all there. Yeah, it's good stuff. 
And it was like, you're like, I don't really, I think there was like even a U2 song and you were just like, she started playing it and you're like, I don't really listen to this, but I think. It's well, like, here you go. so it's, I, I was thinking about this the other day, just the way that I think about music like that. Yeah. Some, somebody had, was talking about this, uh, it's n- not a disease or a condition. It's just how some people can't picture things in their head. Right. And like when you learn that about somebody or, or somebody learns that about themselves, they're like, wait, you can? Like, how do you do that? Like, what do you mean you can see pictures in your head when you think about something? And it's like, you know, they say, like, I can think about, I know what a cup is, and I know what a cup looks like, but I can't picture it in my head. Yeah, I think Kamina has that. Y- yes, yeah. yeah. And my Eason, my, one of my sons does, too. Mm-hmm. Um, says he does. He's eight, so I'm not, I'll take his word for right? it at this point. <laughs> but I always wondered that about music, too. Like, pe- some people can fluently read sheet music, like, like, um, virtuosos yeah but can't do stuff by ear right so i just wonder if i see because when i think about i'm very vivid in my head i can see okay. things sometimes i don't want to see right when i think about something okay. <laughs> so i don't know i've always wondered if that translates over could you know to to that like when i think about a u2 song i see u2 singing the song you know like right. that's the picture in my head is always somebody playing it okay you know Interesting. So, I don't know. That's it's cool. Just, uh, I like that. It's, yeah. There's there could be a whole uh, science. I don't remember the original question, it. but that I was about that's where I went. You learning music by oh, ear. Okay. Yeah. Was, so that was a good answer. How would you describe yourself? I don't like to take things too seriously. Is my I mean there's responsibility responsibilities don't have to be taken seriously as long as you just do them, you know? Like, sure. Um, that makes a lot of sense. There's, you know, they're just things you have to do to make your life easier and to make people's lives around you easier. So things that I just have to do, they're just things you have to do. So I just really like to be open-minded about pretty much everything. And I like to just kind of, I don't ever want to feel guilty for doing what I want to do, you know? And as long as all your shits together and you can do whatever the hell you want to do (laughs) and you know pending you're not you know hurting someone or whatever but i'm 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 very much uh to each each their own and respect that to you know 110 percent that's kind of how i look at life really yeah that's good and i i don't know i really like being with people friends and when i get free time um I do motorcycles is kind of another hobby of mine. Oh, and cool. I'm getting ready to do one of our big annual trips out to Eastern Oregon for like eight days. Just throw the camping gear on the bike and just go Wow! for like a week. And it's the most amazing just head clearing week I have. And, you know, just putting it right in the middle of the year. I kind of get this. I get right into busy season at work and then get to take this great break and then come back and be in a good head space. So, Yeah. I don't know. That's I just smart. like to, I mean, well, it's the whole point of life is just feeling good and being happy. That's everybody's ultimate goal. You know, some people feel they don't get to do that until they've got a million dollars in the bank and they're just going to stress about money all the time. Or, right. you know, it's like, what would you be doing? Okay. If you had a million dollars in the bank, aside from going and buying something cool, what would you be doing? Right. Chilling with my kids, like enjoying myself. Like you can do that without all that money. <laughs> <laughs> right. 
And, you know, I just, I think people are all focused on that, like, I need this to be happy or I need this, you know, once I get here, I'm going to not be stressed out anymore. It's like, just, well, don't be stressed out. Like, you don't it have to be, you know, that's, you know, we all have things happening in our lives that create stress. Yes, but like, you know, it's just, it's not necessary. And maybe that's easier for me to do than other people. Some people may listen to this and be like, what you, dude? Like, <laughs> what do you mean? Like, no, life's it's really hard. And like, yes, it is. Like, it's, there's some responsibilities that aren't easy, but there's a lot of things that people can bring upon themselves that they stress out about things that are completely irrelevant to them being happy. Yeah. And that's what I don't like to do. I like that. It's very wise. Do you have a routine when you're doing your most creative work that that kind of helps you get to that good space of creativity um as far as music wise goes mm -hmm. so like if i pick up a guitar i'll i'll just like i always want to play something that makes me feel good to get into that space so if like there's a song i'm really digging like i'll play that song okay because i want to get into a, just a space like when i listen to a song i really love and how that makes you feel it's like yeah you're just like super stoked about that song like i want to be in that space when i start to create something yeah not so i can like create something that sounds like that song but just i want that feeling while i'm doing it because if i'm making something i want somebody to feel that way about what i'm doing yeah yeah that's so, awesome yeah just getting something that's that you're digging on and kind of going off of that. What tips or advice would you give to aspiring musicians or people that are trying to get into create something creative in their life? Uh, just do it, man. Don't be afraid about putting something out there or what the hell people are going to think about it. That, that's the thing. Do find something you love that gets you in that space. And when you're in that space, just make something. Just make the, make the first one. Get the first song record something you know record a song that you can go back and listen to your stuff yeah and the first time you do that you are going to hear a lot of things that you've never heard before and a lot of things you love and you're like dude i played that that's awesome you know <laughs> like and those are the kind of things you're going to kind of know you'll get your sound you know because i i know recording like our first recordings were not great but you listen to that stuff and you're like oh man that worked really well that sounded really good like let's make Let's integrate that into some other stuff. And by the time you've done this a few times, it's like, you know, you've got some pretty cool things going together. So, yeah, just 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 do it. All right. Get it out there. Yep. With music with the heritage, for example, mm -hmm. like you have how many members when you're recording a song or does it vary? No, it's pretty much the same. Okay. On, I mean, the original uh, lineup was, you know, Jen singing, our friend Michael. Herman playing guitar, Scott, our friend Scott played the mandolin. We had Ben playing viola and violin, Will Amon playing bass, and then me doing guitar and dobro. So there's always been like six people. I think that's when we have the full group together still, there's sure. six people. Okay. So then hearing parts when there's six people, there's six people inputting sound mm -hmm. and then hearing how, how your line fits mm -hmm. with everything else mm -hmm. how do you how do you come up with that so with uh, with the band the heritage now jen and michael even though michael has not been in the states for 
two or three years, <laughs> they're still like songwriting partners. Yeah. So they'll they'll write. He'll she'll write the words. He'll you know she, she's like, hey, I got this idea, and Michael says, okay, I got this idea. He'll noodle something, send it to her. She's like. Yes, that's awesome. I love it. Just change this. Great. Goes back, records it, sends it over. She does well, and they send stuff back and forth. So, but so once they have that core done, and they'll introduce that to the group, and if we're all sitting around together at that first practice, where okay, here's the song we've got. Everybody just kind of listen to it. We'll play through it again. And a couple like Will's really like Will teaches also. So he he sheets out everything ah, for his okay. part like for his that's part, ju- okay. for his part that's and ben will do the same thing he'll sheet out everything i might be the only person who does well scott didn't either but you know so i don't yeah i don't chart anything but some people do some don't but that's what's cool is like you can be in a in a group with people who do that sure. and you're all getting to that same place so i right. you know once i hear everything you just gonna the dobro is interesting because it's not something you're really playing the whole time like a bass line or right the, or the rhythm guitar it's like it's it's fillers and and i guess you know, that's my question and picking and it's just kind of so you do kind of have to pick your spots like you don't want to play over right. somebody and it's interesting because this is the first band i played in playing that kind of instrument mm-hmm. where i'm not constantly doing something right for the whole song right so that's been probably the biggest challenge but with it, this is finding those those spots, those little pockets. But you take input from everyone else. Like write too much. Right. You know, I'll write okay, almost write the whole song and okay. then decide what to take out. Okay. As opposed to oh, I need to find something else for this little part. Even if it's just like holding a note and then sliding up to another note because it may fit with what other people have you know, when you hear the other pieces that come in from everybody else. Where the chords that may go really well, or it may be totally overlapping somebody else's right. little noodle they need they okay. need to do <laughs> right. so well it almost reminds me of like going back to the horn you know the the trombone parts like trombones don't play all the time mm-hmm. during every song right mm-hmm. so so that all of that experience probably almost helps you filter like where you know where yeah this, and, and listening to music One, i'm sure right? yeah i mean once you've played in like a concert band with a flute section and a saxophone section, trombone section, and you hear where these different parts fill or how it's basically you know when not to walk over someone else. Yeah, yeah. Um, But bluegrass is really, I mean, it really is like concert music, and bluegrass is like that a lot too. Like you take rock or punk rock or guitar rock or, you know, even pop music, like everybody in the band is playing. Yeah. There's not, I mean, uh, solo, you know, there's guitar solos, but that's just everybody else is still playing while that guitar solo right. <laughs> is happening. So it's, uh, you know, bluegrass musicians, good professional bluegrass musicians, I have probably more respect for now being in that pseudo genre mm-hmm. for th- the ear that these people have. Yeah. And dude, it's just blows me away like the people who there could be people who are really good on who can wail on a guitar and they're awesome and like you could teach a lot of guitar players to play that lick that this really good guitar player did and they'll and most of people who are good at guitar can do that yeah if somebody said here 
play learn this song that Jerry Douglas just did, I'd be <laughs> like, I'm not even gonna bother trying because I am not like the Dobro virtuoso right. Jerry, genius. Jerry Douglas is the guy. I'm comparing it to like the Jesus of Dobro, but <laughs> s- still, my point, my point is, like you, it, the there, everyone's a virtuoso. Yeah, that are just beyond talented. Yeah, and it just I and and the fact that like when these people come together, even people in bluegrass world that have never played before, hey, let's play this song. Right, and it's like they're all gonna come in, and it, not once is it gonna sound like somebody's playing over somebody, and just their ability to to do that, like, it is just amazing. Yeah, to, to navigate me. that it whole just exact. Yeah, yep, exactly. Yeah. That's, somebody told me a long time ago when they were like, you don't know who Jerry Douglas is? And I'm like, no. They're like, okay, if you wanted a guitar player and you could hire anybody in the world for your whatever recording, they're like, there's probably, you know, 20,000 guitar players that are session musicians in the world that you mm-hmm. could call. If you wanted a bass player or a vocalist or any other thing, if you want a dobro player, <laughs> if you can afford it, yeah. and he'll do it. It's going to be Jerry Douglas. Yeah. He's like the guy. Yeah. So that's crazy. Yeah. Uh, but, you know, but that's it might thi- be you, too. Well, and right? obviously there's a lot less dobro players than there are guitar true, players. True, true. But you would think there would be, and I'm sure there's more than one, but you're right. He's just like, so, like nobody, I feel very confident to say it's going to be a very long time before anyone can make a dobro sound like that guy can. Yeah. Yeah. If ever. Right. It's good stuff. Yeah. Yeah. Should check out his uh, discography of what he's recorded on. It's incredible. Yeah, it's insane. Yeah. Yeah. And and then you'll see him on, like, the Eric Clapton Crossroads thing, you know, or whatever, because he's playing with, mm-hmm. you know, whoever, James Taylor. Or <laughs> he's mm-hmm. played with a ton of, ton of people who aren't necessarily Mumford Bluegrass. Mumford and Sons. He's yeah. played with them. Yeah. Like, yeah. All right. So what mentors did you have along the way that come to mind? The first one would definitely be my my elementary school and junior high band teacher, Mr. Lambert Morris. I'm not sure if, with all due respect, if Mr. Lambert Morris is still alive or not. <laughs> I hope so. But he was in the uh, he played in the One More Time Around marching band, which is a big uh, deal. And here in Portland, are you familiar with, no. with them? It's just like a bunch of older people that play marching band music basically okay. there's like hundreds of them it's pretty cool but that is he, awesome. he was really involved in that but um you know i would say him especially for the discipline part of it okay like, i was very nice guy but very much like he'd get on you yeah. if you were off yeah like literally tell you to stop playing sometimes have you seen gosh i don't remember what movie it whiplash yeah, yeah, where he throws the chair at the kid yeah. and then literally berates him until he breaks down crying. Yeah, not that. No, right. that scene is insane. By the way, it is. Um, not that, but uh, but yeah, the the basic discipline of it. And past that, you know, just when I first started, you know, wanting the urge to play like in something that wasn't like a punk band or something because i was a skater kid that's what i listened to is like no effects and bad religion and like that's what i wanted to play but i remember my youth group at a church i went to when i and this is when i was in junior high there was an older kid who had just graduated from high school his name was jason horn 
And he enlisted me to come and play bass with him and his buddy because he wanted to start this new band, which never we, we practiced and it was cool. But like he would take me on his motorcycle down to the X-Ray Cafe, unbeknownst my parents likely had no idea what this place was we were going to but like he took me down to see like big daddy meat straw and roger nusick like back in the early 90s at the x-ray cafe so like he was a big influence of me like seeing those at the time which were like the biggest like of that genre band they have these like cult followings in portland those groups did and so he was definitely a big influence for me trans, kind of transitioning into that. And then, you know, uh, Jeep, yeah. too, because he was the older kid and he played guitar. And, you know, when I got, you know, when he wanted, we, we decided to try being in a band. It's like, oh, you know, I get to be in a Everybody thought Jeep was a cool kid. He's still a cool <laughs> kid. You're still a cool kid, Jeep. That's right. But, uh, but yeah, being so being in that band. And Jeep and Tommy were both older than I was. Okay. So that was just cool, like with the older kids wanting to, you know, yeah. your your older peers wanting you're to, you know, into yeah, that it's validation tribe. that you're good at what you do, and I'm sure they could have found someone else, but they wanted me to do it, you know. Yeah. Um, yeah, I mean, beyond that, that's kind of what took me to where, where I went. Nice. Really. Yeah. yeah. What are some skills that you think are important for like everyone to learn, and and that you would like your kids to be able to? You know? I don't want to be like a. <laughs> I, I want to say everyone should at least learn to read sheet music once, but I don't know if <laughs> being that I don't, I still play. I just feel like it's the responsible parent thing to say. Yeah. Um, and and I, it, I think people should. You know, everybody who's going to be serious about this, even when they're younger, is going to take lessons and you teach them how to read music. Like everybody should. And like Xander's got the keys written out on the piano and. So, I mean, if you're going to get to a point where you can start improvising or whatnot, you should probably know what you're doing. Mm. Patience. That's a good one. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> well, it's like, you know, going back to, like, people getting all hot and bothered. It's like, oh, like rushing. I got to get to here. I got to get to here. I got to right. get to here. I need to get to this place in my life. I need to get to this. Just, like, slow down. Yeah. Like pretend you're rich <laughs> and like just pretend you already have that and what would you do? Okay. You know, just like be patient, enjoy. Like people always tell you with your little kids, like enjoy this time, you know, <laughs> so because true. they're going to be bratty ass teenagers and, you know, which, which I'm starting to see some of that with the older ones. But yeah, yeah I just tell people to be patient. Just re you want to learn a good skill? Relax. Yeah. Like just step back <laughs> like, yeah chill what do you think you would recommend people do if they want to learn the skills that you've cultivated okay so start by learning trombone <laughs> and then Just bass being a punk band that's okay <laughs> <laughs> no i think uh just just really get actually going back to like how i get in that headspace mm -hmm. like listen to stuff that you would want to play. The way that I do that is like with my new favorite bands that I have, it's like, man, the music that gets me the most excited are the bands that I would love to play in. Okay. You know, yeah. does that make yeah, sense? It does. Yeah. So like if I like Tall Heights, I don't know if you ever heard of them. I They're one of my favorite groups 
now and like I would just like love to be on stage playing with that band okay you know just like god i want to be in your band for a show you know but <laughs> cool because name. that music yeah so that but because that music that gives me that feeling that goosebumpy feeling and when you have that feeling about a song you're playing and you're playing it in front of people people could tell yeah you know and that's what you want to do when you're up in front of people you don't want to just go up there and make notes and sometimes you're having a shitty day and you play a show and you go up there and play notes and say thank you very much and people clap and you know it's not that they didn't like you but you know for you to i some of the best shows i've ever played there's been four people there and i was feeling awesome right about it and like that's it was for me you know like that's why i did it so. That's a good place to be when you're playing music, you know. Yeah, it's hard to it's hard to count on the crowd. <laughs> yeah, because you yeah. can't. Sometimes. So yeah, so if you're an aspiring musician, don't count on the yeah. That's a very good piece of advice. <laughs> also, don't count on the crowd. Just make sure you're playing something that's going to make you feel awesome, and yes. you don't care. You know, that's good. Yeah. Can you tell us about the heritage more? Yes, a little bit. So the heritage is we started about six years ago. I guess um, Jen, my wife, who is our singer and uh, lyricist, she grew up in the bluegrass world. She was kind of one of these bluegrass virtuoso kids. Like she played uh, Chris Thiele, who's the um, main songwriter, mandolin player for the Punch Brothers. Like they played together when they were kids. Like they were in, they were that group. He just stuck with it. She went off and did other things, but. So she wanted to get back, and you know she played like in Groove Yard, which yep. uh, with our friend Ag, AG and some yeah. other friends, and which is kind of like a funk blues thing. I did punk rock, so we kind of she shied away from that. I was never there, right. and then when she wanted to get back, and she's just like, I really want to start playing music again, and I want to do something that makes me feel good. You know, I want to get back to my roots and what I loved and how I fell in love with music. So that's when she decided she wanted to make the heritage and that's when i opened uh one of my christmas presents after she decided <laughs> that and it was a dobro and i was like oh cool she's like learn how to play that and i'm like okay <laughs> sounds good so that's when i started playing the dobro nice that christmas morning <laughs> yeah so and then we had michael already enlisted uh to to do this and uh, the other will came in will was already in a band with michael and then Scott was Scott Stevens, who was a mandolin player. He was one of those kids that played with Jen when they were younger, too. So she enlisted him. And then Ben Landsberg, who plays the fiddle, uh, he was a friend of, oh, no, sorry, he played in Michael and Will's band also. So we had like all the members of Bowie LaRue were also heritage members when we started. <laughs> so it was like me, Jen, Scott, and Bowie LaRue made the heritage, nice. basically. <laughs> that was the original lineup, which is other than Michael and Scott, everybody's still the same. So, okay. you know, we wrote eight, nine, ten songs, I think. We did a couple shows. We did some Christmas benefit shows at the uh, Aladdin and. Uh, it was great, always super well received. The recordings that we did. So Jen's a voting member on the Recording Academy, so she gets to submit things, and she submitted some stuff uh, that got fairly far in the voting process. That Americana Roots category is where she had submitted that, but they, we uh, won that John Lennon the country category for the John Lennon songwriting contest, which is amazing. With that other live song, and then she won American Music uh, something 
other awards she got for songwriting for that song too so that's definitely got some for playing four shows we've had some good things <laughs> right. ha- happen recognition wise yeah so, but that was kind of the plan from the get-go was just more to record and get the music out there yeah than to play shows yeah um, being a live uh band is a it's a different thing and i would guess in the bluegrass world it's even different than it is you know as a pop cover artist yeah. or whatever you know yeah. blues or rock well, with the bluegrass i mean there are bluegrass musicians that travel and tour mm-hmm. regularly but and most festivals, of most right? of them it's festivals yeah, yeah it's all these because bluegrass festivals are huge jen's mom was on the northwest bluegrass association festival for years and years and years that's how she got into that i'm sure she talked to you a little bit about that yep yeah during your guys's interview so anyway that's how the band got together we recorded some stuff put it out there got some cool things that happened then michael ended up moving to uh nepal he and julie and so everything kind of took a hiatus for about year and then we got our friend ross to come in and and kind of be the new michael okay. just learn everything he wasn't songwriting with jim but he was going to be playing right for sh- the purposes of shows and things like that so and we played a couple shows with with Ross in the lineup and did that. And then it was just things have really been on hiatus for like the last year and a half, two years, because we have almost family. yeah one and a half year old now. So yeah. another kid came along. Ross is having a second kid. So everybody, the kid thing just kind of took precedence over this. But we're wanting to get back and we've got a couple more songs we want to record. Jen wants to submit something again this year. So she really wants to get a couple things recorded to get out there and plus to stay relevant and to be able to be a voting member of the recording academy you've got to you've got to put so much stuff out and get so many plays or so many downloads and things like that to be able to stay okay uh, academy member so we kind of have to put some things out yeah it's part and of if it. she wants me to be involved in that too i'm not a voting member but you know if i can get on you know, one of these tracks and we get some stuff out there, then I've got some credentials to be able to do that, which would be fun. It'd be Definitely. super cool to be able to, yeah, that's, you know, not vote for Beyonce. <laughs> <laughs> She's going to get enough votes, right? So <sighs> some other people need votes too. She's talented. Yeah, it's true. All right. All right. Uh, what, how should people go about finding their purpose in life? Give us your wisdom. Oh man. Find what makes it feel good, you know. I think it's back to that, you know. If, you know, if, and and if that thing that makes you feel good helps other people, that's great. And if that thing that makes you feel good doesn't help other people, but just helps you, that's fine too. I don't. There's people in this world who are meant to be those helpers and that's their purpose and there's many other things that need to be done by people that aren't in that realm it doesn't mean you can't be good to people and spread love and things like that but i don't think people should feel guilty about doing something that they love um how has technology changed music in your opinion well, like I told you earlier, my son's learning to play the piano on an iPad. Yeah. With like look well on the piano, but with the iPad in front of him, like basically taking music lessons. Yeah. On that, being able to virtually do that stuff, it just opens up so many more opportunities for kids who, you know, maybe can't have a teacher 
or right. can't afford a teacher, but they can watch a YouTube video and learn that. I'm sure a ton of kids who are in bands now learned how to play guitar from watching YouTube. Sure. You know, or something. So it's definitely cultivating a much larger talent pool. I yeah. think technology is definitely ha has a hand in that. And maybe you're going to find some some virtuoso kids that you never would have found if that did that stuff didn't exist right you know which is pretty cool so you know bands being able to record themselves at the quality that you can now for the cost that you can now it really doesn't cost much to make like a decent sounding record it's true. like use garage band and some decent microphones you know like and you can put something together yeah uh, I mean, at least something that's like demo quality that you can listen to and be like, yeah, this is awesome, you know, like <laughs> exactly. back to that. <laughs> so, you know, it just gives people so much more opportunity to to, to do that kind of stuff. I mean, that's, you know, that's recording and, and, and playing on stage. Like, those are my two favorite things about playing. Yeah. So, and it's really cool when you can create a song. I think everybody should write one song and record it. I think that is for any musician. I mean, most of them will at some point, but even if you're thinking about, you're like into music, you wanna learn something, like learn how to play something, and then just write a song and record it in GarageBand and listen to your stuff. And if it gives you that tingly, you know, like you're gonna, you're gonna know like, I wanna do this again. Yeah. Like I wanna go back <laughs> and add this to that song. Like it's gonna click really fast. All right, that's your assignment, everybody. Eric has given everyone that's Go listening. Go write a song. All the tens of people that all are the listening. tens of people <laughs> who've all probably already wrote a song. <laughs> but tell your kids. Yes. <laughs> Spread the word. Yeah. And if you got to go back and give, you know, 16-year-old Eric some advice and mm -hmm. he would listen, what, what would you tell him? I would have told him to get better grades and pay attention in the other part of school, which probably would have made my dad a lot less hesitant to send me somewhere like that. If he okay. knew academically, I was in a like top good place, good place, which school was kind of boring to me. And I graduated with decent ish grades, but you know, it just, I, I never had anybody pushing me to like, be like, Hey, if you, if you want to do this, like you need to make sure and like going back now and telling people, oh, study hard, kids. But it's like study hard because it's going to make everything else you want to do a hundred times easier. Yeah. You know, like it's just one of those things like going back to sometimes we have responsibilities and sometimes they suck. But like, look at the big picture. Like I'm doing this so I can enjoy this. Mm -hmm. And if you're looking at it that way, you're going to enjoy that thing you're doing because it's getting you to that point. So, you know, even though school's not fun all the time <laughs> like, <laughs> it's true <laughs> it's gonna make it's gonna make your li life and your choices a lot it's gonna open up your choices a lot more nice um so just don't don't close the door on something because it sounded boring at the time it's good advice hard to take though yeah it's hard to live up it, to that it is yeah i didn't do it i didn't, <laughs> I didn't either how have you learned to overcome adversity Man, listen to my wife. <laughs> <laughs> that's a that's a smart man. Seriously. Well, yeah. you know, and I grew up in the suburbs as a middle class white kid. So, you know, what is adversity to me? Like not being accepted by a, the cool kids or, you know, like 
Yeah, adversity. I mean, the the biggest adversity I've had in my life probably is just not not being confident enough yeah. to like stand up for myself or whatnot. So Jen bestowed in me that confidence. Um, I would not have the confidence I have if it wasn't for her, like reinforcing like, no, dude, like you got this, yeah. you know, like you have to believe you got this. And, you know, I've got some and, and it's in my family, you know, some moderate, you know, bipolar type stuff or like anxiety. And I take, you know, I didn't take medication for that for a long, long time with, but, uh, you know, people talk about mental illness and this and that. Well, you know, she's the one who like pushed me, like, you need to go talk to someone about this. You need to get checked out. And so that was probably the number one thing for the, my like overall quality of life changed exponentially. Wow. And I wouldn't have done that if it wasn't for her. And I have no, I don't feel bad. I take a couple pills in the morning and that my quality of life is exponentially better than it was before I did that. And it's because there's a chemical imbalance in my brain that I have that some people don't. And that's all that stuff is. Yeah. It's your, your, your firing differently. You know, you're talking to your, your insides are talking to themselves differently than other people's do. Well, this gets them to shut up a little bit, you know, <laughs> and that's what I needed. Yeah. And, but yeah, man. So, uh, you know, kind of getting over that, like I would have crazy bad panic attacks to the point where like I get migraines and tunnel vision and just like freak out and like have heart palpitations and nothing was wrong with me. And so that hasn't happened in eight years. Wow. You know? <laughs> that is a big so difference. As far as like, I would say don't, be scared to get help as far as any kind of help you know that that was huge yeah huge for me so that's awesome i'm glad it's working like yeah Yeah, that's great that's awesome i'm happy how many hats do you feel like you're wearing on your busiest days like you're a dad your husband you work you're a friend you're dad husband yes first right husband first yes dad Friend, worker, sometimes at work I feel like I'm wearing four different hats. I believe it. Because in my position, they, at least where I work, they ask a lot of us. And I deal with multiple, multiple clients that everything has to be perfect. So there's some stress involved there. But again, it's just a formula. Make sure you do the formula the same every time and it works. So, I mean, I would say on a busy day, you know, about five or six Five or, quite a few. five or six hats yeah. rocking on a busy day. <laughs> Try to take them off as soon as possible. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. That's, that's, yeah. I mean, it's interesting, isn't it? How our lives, you know, we, I think a lot of times people are like, oh, well, they're just, they just do this or whatever, you know, that's just their job mm-hmm. or they're just, you know, they got a couple of kids or they got a few kids or, you know, but there's, there's a lot that goes along with that when you're putting yourself into it, you know? Mm-hmm. And uh, so mm-hmm. I think it's important, you know, I just think it's like, they're all important. Yeah. You know? Well, your kids need to have that sense of normality too. Like yeah, their lives can't be all over the place or your life's going to be hell. Like they need structure. Yes. <laughs> so that takes a lot of precedence over kind of how you 
operate the rest of what you've got going on when you've got kids. I mean, if that's important enough to you or something that you feel is helpful when you have children, we do. Our kids have always, always been on the schedule. It's always about schedule and it makes our lives a lot easier. Yeah. Yeah. That's smart. Yeah. What can musicians do to promote themselves in a better way during this current environment, in your opinion? That's tough. It is. That's tough. I mean, we only That's why I'm asking you. Yeah. I mean, we all, well, when I was out there, it's like we made flyers and went up and down Hawthorne and, and took a staple hammer and put flyers up like that. We didn't have, you know, MySpace was the first thing we have and everybody had their band page (laughs) on MySpace. Yeah. And now you've got, but now you've got Facebook and you can have an Instagram and, you know, Twitter for your band. Like, you know, I work with some other organizations that have a large social media presence. I'm Trailblazer. I'm a big Trailblazer fan. I work with one of their fan organizations, but we have like Twitter and Instagram, Spotify, pod, we do a podcast. And so you, there's so many avenues out there that don't cost anything. You just have to do it and be diligent about it. People need to see you if you're really serious about using those platforms and they're there and everyone uses them. So you should, but you got to post, you, you have to have content, yeah. constant content. Uh, that doesn't mean you have to post a new song every day or, you know, post a picture of yourself practicing or put a little Vine video up of yourself, like singing a few bars of one of your new songs or, you know, just do a little giveaway. Hey, like the next, you know, if you like and share this and you can get a, win a chance to get a free autograph CD when our new CD's out or something like that. Like get, you need to be engaging and people need to see you like at least daily put something up on, on those platforms if you want it to work. Yeah. That's um, good. But I mean, I, that's how everybody's doing it really. I mean, I haven't been, you know, that involved in the scene with promoting and seeing, but I would assume that's how people are doing it. Yeah. <laughs> but then they've, you, you've also got like your local guitar shops too. like go and put a flyer up there, talk to those guys, get them excited about what you're doing so they can tell you know, not just have a flyer in their shop, but like, Hey, Hey, you should go check out this band, you know, like get people, you know, who want to talk about you. Yeah. Who are some people that inspire you or have inspired you over the years? In general? Yeah. I'll go back to my wife. Yeah. She was very, I mean, we've known each other since high school and she, the one thing that always, that attracted me to her was her like, just stop bitching. Like, <laughs> I used to be a whine and bitch a lot when I was younger. <laughs> and and by younger, I mean like in high school yeah. and roughly after high school. But she was the one, it's like, you know, she would, and, and when she sees anybody, it's, you know, uh, you know, the whole complaining about this or like, man, just take a step back and get some perspective. You know, like she was really the first person I think of in my life that really made me think about that. Yeah. You know, like, dude, just why do you care? You know, like, <laughs> that's it's funny because yeah. a lot of us do. We care about so many things or, or we let them affect us mm-hmm. so much when it's like should be a little bit outside of the realm of what we yep. really are focused on. Yeah, that's hard. Yeah. It's hard to uh, it's hard to play music in front of people if you're worried about what they think about what it's you're doing. Very hard to do. Yeah, yeah. That's why you have to really just love your songs. Yeah, you know, and then you won't give a shit. <laughs> <laughs> when do you feel most creative? Any certain time of day, certain time of year? Mm, uh, probably. I mean, at night. 
I do. That's kind of like once all the kids have gone to bed and I just kind of get my chill time. That's that. I mean, I need to not have three small people running around <laughs> like wanting to also strum the guitar right. when I'm playing, <laughs> which they do. Yeah. Yeah. So nighttime generally, I mean, that's when band practice would always happen would be at night, you know, and have some beers and chill and band practice still happens at night when it happens. And so, yeah, I enjoy that evening time. It is as far as the time of the year, if it's, you know, fall has always kind of been my creative, that transition yeah. in, into the, the, uh, I, I like the sounds that kind of give me the fuzzies or those more like the happy notes, but with a little bit of a minor and they're just enough to make you a little sad, but still feel like happy tingly, <laughs> if that makes sense. Perplexing. It's, a little, per it's yeah. a little perplexing. Yeah. I like sad songs with happy notes. Okay. Okay. Does, does that make sense? That, that does make sense. Okay. That makes more sense. Okay. Yeah. So, but that also kind of, I feel like going into fall, it's a transition period and winter can be cold and chilly, but it's still very beautiful. I love that. That's great. Can you tell us about your current projects or any future projects, ideas that you have or anything like that? Or is that a top secret? No, not really. I mean, I think I'd kind of touched on it earlier. We're mm -hmm. going to record a couple new songs and try to get something submitted and at least released. Yeah. So I think uh, we wanted to try to accomplish that by fall. Okay. I think there's some kind of deadline for submissions or something like that. So, uh, and we actually recorded scott actually has recordings of a lot of stuff we've want of, of at least one of the songs we want to record so oh, a lot nice. of the tracks are there we just kind of have to go back and maybe tweak a few things and whatnot so cool um yeah so we'll get something out uh before the summer's over all right um other than that you know michael and julie may move back here i think it's a little bit easier to to do this when your you know main people can be in the same room so until that happens i don't know if you know a lot of stuff's gonna go on right or not a lot of new stuff yeah okay unless so we do a not very good reunion show there you go hey. could could be that might happen could be what are one or two memorable stories from your uh music career so far oh i got these you got these <laughs> i have to, i have to tell I have to tell the most memorable ones. So the one band that we didn't get to okay. that I played with for the second long, so not very good was the longest. So the Dolomites was the other Portland band that I played in for an extended period of time. That's the band that I toured with. We went out for a couple two-month trips uh, around the country a couple years in a row, and which was super fun. Played a lot of college campuses. That's kind of how we funded okay. those trips was over – the wintertime or over the summertime contacting these college campuses and then you know they would pay us like Clemson University paid us two grand to go and play on their commons while they had this big thing go on and you know that funded half of our trip we right. played at like the University of Alabama and like the southern Mississippi and Hattiesburg Mississippi is an awesome amazing town by the way the thirsty hippo if anyone's ever down there we played there multiple times those guys are awesome if it's still there uh, but anyway so the first trip that we did we had a motorhome and it was a 1980 but when Win Winnebago we that's what we were rolling around in and we were about a month and a week into the trip so we had about three weeks left to go 
Have you ever heard this story? I don't think so. So we're in Detroit, Michigan, and we played a show that night. We met uh, at this bar. The bar owner was super, super cool, and he and his girlfriend got us a show the next night at another bar. So they came out with us, and we played. And afterwards, he's like, let's go back to my bar and hang out and drink. And we're like, that sounds fantastic. So it's 2 o'clock in the morning. We're driving down the freeway in Detroit. Nobody's on the road. It's raining. I'm driving, following him, and he's going like 80, and I'm trying to keep up in a motorhome. He exits off. I follow. He slows down a little bit. But the light at the top of the thing was green. At the, at the top of the off-ramp, there's you know, a four-way stop. And it was green, so he's going, going, going. And I'm like, OK. And so I literally looked away for about two seconds and put my head back up. And he was almost stopped. Oh, no. Because the light had turned yellow right after I looked away. And I smashed into the back of their car at about 35 miles an hour. Uh, completely crushed in the whole front end of our motorhome. It ended up getting totaled. They were okay. That's good. Thank God I pushed them all the way through the intersection. But Oof. So anyway, we were stuck in Detroit for two weeks mm. without a vehicle, living in an old like Polish community center that was super run down. We were in a not good part of town. Yeah, Detroit, like not good parts of Detroit. Yeah, uh, like by not good. yeah, like by old Tiger Stadium. If anyone's familiar with Detroit, uh, we were just on the other side of the freeway from there. And it, yeah, it's uh, there were I saw, I saw a guy crash into a pole drunk, and his like four year old kid get out of the back, and he gets out of the front, and just oh, they man. leave the car there and walk home. Oh my <laughs> god! I had a guy tell me he was Jesus. Uh, and needed to go and kill all of the bad people that were living in Detroit. And uh, that was when I had hundreds of dollars in my coat pocket, and I was waiting for the tow truck driver to show up. Oh, my gosh. (laughs) Terrified that I was going to get murdered and robbed. When they told us the motorhome was going to be totaled, we didn't have a vehicle. So one of the guys who lived in this building that, that let us stay there, he's like, and they're like, if you want to come get anything out of the motorhome, come get it and take it before we take it off oh, away. Boy. And so three of us went down to where the uh, the lot was, where it was. And this guy we're staying with let us borrow his car to go get this stuff. So we go there, load up the car. We're coming back. So he had a headlight out on his car, one headlight. It's kind of an older beat up car. So we, my buddy Steve is driving. I'm in the passenger seat. One of our other guys is in the back. We got pulled over right by Old Tiger Stadium and because the headlight was out. Um, I didn't have my seatbelt on, and I kind of freaked out, so I reached up, and I was wearing a big black trench coat also, like a big <laughs> Navy pea coat because right. it was like December. Yeah, so I grabbed the, I grabbed the belt, and I pull it, and I can't find the buckle, oh, no. and I'm like freaking out, so I'm just holding it down so it looks like my hand's just kind of like down across me. <laughs> Right. Okay. And you're kind of yeah, picking up yeah, and I'm, I'm laying down it, here. Yeah. And so oh, no. the the one cop, we're like, oh, God. And so the one cop comes around to Steve, knocks on his window. And he's like, hey, buddy, uh, you got your license on you and stuff? And he's like, yeah, 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 yeah. And then there was this boom, boom on my window. And I look over and this like six foot seven African-American 
scariest, burliest-looking dude, has a gun pointed at me. Oh, no. Put your motherfucker hands on the dash. And I was like, <laughs> instantly. <laughs> right. My mother effing hands were on the dash. Right. And I'm like, I didn't have my seatbelt on. I'm sorry. I don't have a car. <laughs> right. And so he's like, leave him there, leave him there. And like, so they needed us to like find the registration and like, we're like, this isn't our car. And he, and the weather cop's like, well, what's your, what's your story? What do you mean this isn't your car? So Steve begins to explain to them. He's like, look, we're a band from Portland. We wrecked our motorhome here. We just went to get our stuff. And the cop's like, whoa, 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 back up. He's like, you're banned from Portland? Like you guys have warrants out? (laughs) And we're like, no, dude, we're a a band <laughs> musical <laughs> act seriously so oh my god that was terrifying <laughs> you guys um, you guys were well in our cars like there's a microwave sitting on the seat between us because we took as much <laughs> as we could so it looks like we just like looted someone's right. house and then tell them we're banned from port you right know? <laughs> yeah so that was kind of terrifying that's a good story. But that's it's, a good, it's a good uh, it's story, a good story afterwards, oh, not during. Continuing the story. All right. No, it doesn't more. end there. So we finally, so we were there for so long because we had to wait to get our insurance money, so we could find another vehicle that we could that was big enough for us to purchase that fit the needs of us continuing our tour. Right. So there just happened to be a, another band we met, another band that they knew was selling their tour vehicle, which is like one of those little TriMet kind of wheelchair lift buses, but they sure. had it converted. So we ended up buying that from them. Our next show, which we had to get to because we had basically run out of money at this point from having to live in Detroit for two weeks, was in Minneapolis. We had to go through Wisconsin to get to get there. Um, so we leave Detroit to get up through Chicago. We're going over in our brand new to us vehicle, and they start. Smell, I heard like a pop, and Steve was driving, and then I start to kind of smells so i'm like dude something's i go you need to pull over he's like nope we got to get there i'm like steve something's wrong like you need right to pull over no, no we're good and then smoke starts coming out of the compartment there and we pull over and i pull the thing off and the engine's literally on fire oh no and one of the belts the water pump belt broke and so it just started to overheat and catch everything on fire so we pull over we're getting like mountain dew bottles pouring them on the engine to put the fire out Still fire. I was like, fuck it, get out of here. I'm going to piss on it. So, like, everybody gets Like, I literally peed on the engine to put the fire out. I'm dead serious. <laughs> and I didn't want our shit to burn. Like, right. we didn't have, right. like, that, was, that wasn't an option to, like, right. no, we just got this thing. It is not burning to the ground. So, anyway, it was not drivable from what had happened. We called a tow truck. They towed our new vehicle to a Ford dealership in Madison. And... They're like, well, it's going to be like 1200 bucks to fix it. And we're like, okay, well, we got a show up in Minneapolis tonight. We have to get to. And they're like, well, it's going to be about three days before we can get the parts and fix this. So we rented a U-Haul. Oh, wow. This is now the middle of December up in the northernmost part of the country. It's like 23 degrees outside. So three of us could fit in the cab in the front. Everybody else had to ride in the back of the square box with all of our gear, like huddled in there like refugees in blankets. Because it would be freezing. That was our vehicle. There there was no heat in the back of that. Yeah. That was our vehicle until we got our van back. Wow. So we, we made it and we played a couple shows and made our money. And then when our... Rig was ready down there. Two of us took the U-Haul back, got that, brought the other one back up, picked everybody up, and 
had Continue another show in Denver and then just bombed home <laughs> we wow yeah, so over like, it, dude. yeah. <laughs> but uh that's rough. yeah that that whole three weeks was just crazy that is that was it was crazy something i would it's it's character building but it is character building <laughs> please but don't voluntarily go to build your character <laughs> right, that no. but no, if it you happens had, you had that it. freezing weather too that was a good story couple good stories. Yeah, that's a I've told it a few times so it always stays fresh. Yeah. <laughs> it was Wow, crazy. I'm glad you guys crazy, made man. it made it through all that without worse things happening. But um, And then we went out and did the same thing again next year. Was minus, that better? minus wrecking the vehicle. Yeah. Okay. No, but we liked it enough to do another tour. Man, so. <laughs> good on you for that because uh I I after my big tour, I, I didn't have the wherewithal to do it again. Well, I got, I mean, yeah. it was just cool. That's the only way. When I was younger, I traveled with my dad. Like, my grandparents, where my dad grew up in Nebraska, so we'd go back every summer and, like, go through Yellowstone and the Black Hills and the Badlands. And, like, I got to do a lot of that when I was younger. But there were a lot of, like, the, the South I never yeah. went to until I was in this band. Yeah. And, like, go through Louisiana and Alabama and Mississippi and, like, I loved it down there. It was killer. But just to, and, you know, living out of a motorhome, you meet, like, the people right you know but like southern hospitality is definitely a thing yeah. i don't know if it's different now like 18 years later things seem a little more divided i'd be very interested to to be back down there at some point just to kind of feel if there's any kind more of, tension yeah you know? <laughs> seems like there's tension but you know the the news i think is somewhat they would sometimes it's never as bad as people want you to people want you to think it is who right. own those networks so they can keep people divided right and you find out that we're all pretty much want the same thing which is when gonna, it comes down to it is creativity or skill more important and why mm, you need to have a little bit of both i mean every person who is creative generally has a skill that they're creative with yes. so i would definitely say both you need once you have the skill you can bend it to your will which <laughs> i which I, the definition of creativity is being able to bend that you know whatever your medium is to what's that picture in your head or that yeah. song in your head or something and how to get it to that point for you to present it like this is what i'm thinking yeah so Definitely both. What are uh, three things that you're grateful for? My wife. <laughs> I'm not doing this to kiss up to her. No, I know. She explained like that sort of like a uh, kind of pivotal moment. Well, it's like when in one of the things like with our kids, it's like when when you have kids and this can help people who are on the fence about having kids, maybe not be quite as freaked out about having kids is you're still in the kid does not control you at any age like you are the one directing that child and that child is coming in to be a part of your life you're bringing that child into what you have you're not adjusting yourself to bend to the will of this person you've brought into the world no that's your person you're bringing them into your world but your world has to stay the same you have to have that you know that foundation so which I think in a 
that's a long way of exp- explaining no, Im- what that that was all about. I think it's but. important because it's that that topic I'm sure is very heated and has these differing points of view mm-hmm. and and like I see the value in that because I've seen the perspective from both sides and I've experienced it through my relationships with other people mm-hmm. and it's it's like it can be really hard if your viewpoint on that differs from your spouses or yes uh which often happens <laughs> yeah yeah so i think i think that's awesome i really do yeah like i think you guys and this is this is good to reinforces again it's good to talk to somebody and answer a question like that or get asked a question like that because i think sometimes you forget just how important that person is mm-hmm. when you're asking when you're asking like fundamental questions like these like who really inspired you or who really you know, who do you look up to that changes? It's like, well, it's pretty fucking cool. I ended up with the married to the person that I feel <laughs> is responsible for a lot of those things. I think it's like, awesome. Yeah. I think I'm pretty lucky and it's cool to remember yeah. that kind of stuff. And I think you guys both feel that way, which I, I, I can see it. So Well, I'm excited cool. to hear what she had to say. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I'll be the judge of that. <laughs> Oh, there's things I will always do that will drive her crazy. Well, but she loves me enough to put up with it most that's of good. the time. <laughs> <laughs> so that was one. So okay. there's three. Oh god. You can say more if more than three if that's easier. Uh, do I have to do more than three? No. <laughs> you can make it as few or as many as you would like. Um, within reason. (laughs) So it was, uh, something that you're grateful for three things that you're grateful for. Things, not people. Well, it could be people. Okay. Um, I'm thankful for my friends, the group of my close friends I have now. I, so when Jen and I moved away, you know, I had hung out, I grew up here. So, you know, uh, you know, I left here to go move down to LA where Jen was and we got engaged and that was, I was like 33, no, 30, 31. We had our kids when I was 33. So like, yeah, like early, early thirties, but I'd had the same group of friends like forever. And I still am friends with all those people. But when we moved back to town, like I rarely see a lot of those people anymore. Like it's, I kind of, and the motorcycle thing is huge. That's a big part of what I do now. Yeah. It's my kind of like my passion and, but that whole group of people I met through the motorcycle community like those are my people now so it's just cool to be able to come back somewhere it's one of the things that made me not feel like I came back to the same old boring place is like I've got new relationships with people um kind of like that's my second chapter of living in Portland yeah you know and so I'm really grateful to find those people and I found those people through motorcycles and so I'm grateful for motorcycles. <laughs> with uh with with motorcycles is uh I've I've read or heard that that most motorcyclists uh maintain their own bikes like that's mm-hmm. that's a big part of sort of the thing is like really knowing your stuff about it is that something that you do as well? I do. Yeah, uh, to an extent. There's certain like I I restore like old vintage bikes. Oh wow. is kind of like my one of my passions is to do that. It's kind of how I got into bikes. My first bike was an older, like 71 little Honda CB. And I tore that thing down to the frame and rebuilt it. And that was like, okay, cool. I'm in love with motorcycles now. So, <laughs> uh, but like, so my newer bikes, like I'll change my own oil and 
do my tires and chains and stuff like that. But if it comes to like those valves need to be adjusted in the motor, it's going to the dealership. Sure. So I'm not touching anything that affects me having a running motorcycle. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> like Fair I need enough. to get on and push the button or kick the lever and it starts and I don't want to be responsible for that not happening. Okay. So, <laughs> uh, so to an extent, yeah. So sure. the older bikes, I do a yeah. lot of that. Um, that's good. Cosmetic stuff. I really like doing, making things shiny. Yeah. Polishing stuff. People, people bring their bikes to me that polish old rusty parts for them. Cool. Like, and that's what else is really cool is like a lot of people in the group are really good at like, there's one guy who's really good at rebuilding carburetors, which is a, I, something I never have any desire to want to do. So if I need some rebuild, I'll take them to him Yeah. and I'll polish something for him and he'll do that for me. You know? So it's like people just can kind of trade off some work here, have some beers, do this for me, do that for me. And so, but that's yeah, cool. that's kind of how that community works, at least in the, the community that I've been a part of. Nice. I know there's a lot of factions of motor. You yeah. Know, motor. We're, we're sure, not sure. the sons of, and I feel like <laughs> we're the very kind of, I don't know. It's interesting. I don't really know how to ex- explain. We're not, That's we're right. not the sport bike group. We're not the Harley group. It's a very mix of like classic bikes, adventure touring stuff. We'd like to do a lot of that. Like this road trip, we're going out in a couple weeks. We're doing eight days out to Eastern Oregon. Some people are going to have like adventure kind of bikes. Some people have street bikes. Some people have somewhere in between bikes, but we just love riding together and hanging out and yeah, being in the desert and doing desert things. <laughs> <laughs> nice (laughs) inappropriate (laughs) not not uh wildly inappropriate (laughs) things things you don't do around your children right (laughs) have you read zen and the art of motorcycle maintenance i have not okay and i started it a couple of times it's supposed to be a good like business book but i yeah i I did i just couldn't get into it i couldn't get into it either but that was also like eight years ago okay and it would probably be i have the book yeah it would probably be worth picking it up especially if if i'm being told it's a good business book it's yeah. what i've i've read anything that can help sales what skills are you developing now like currently people skills yeah sales so i work in sales okay now so a lot of my you know that my it's my quote-unquote craft you know um some people are really good with people. Some people are pushy. It's, you know, I'm talk to my clients like I talk to you, minus that some F-bombs here and there. <laughs> respectful, <laughs> respectful verbiage. But, you know, I don't, you don't want to try to make best friends with everyone. You don't need to do that. It is a business meeting. But just you treat people like a person. Like that's... If somebody came into my house, I'm going to trust the person who's treating me like a person. Yeah. So, you know, honing that. And it is a skill, like finding that line, that fine line to walk. Yeah. You know, between this and that and not getting too buddy-buddy with a client. I bet. Enough to where they trust you, you know. Mm -hmm. So, um, but, you know, honing. And when people think about sales jobs, there's a lot more to it than just going in and selling someone something it's Absolutely. you know relationship building so a lot of that skill and you can always work on that 
it is a craft, you know. When it's done its best, it's a long-term, you know, client a lot of exactly. times too, right? So yeah. that's, I mean, you're really investing in yeah. the future as well. Well, and if your company does a shitty job for that person, they're not going to refer you to the next person, and you're not going to get to work with that person again. And so, so then you're towing that line between your company's like right service versus which I which is awesome. Yeah. So and that's that's what you're selling people is the company really. Yeah. And, you know, I, it's just cool working for people that I know I don't have to worry that what I'm telling these people is going to happen is going to happen. That's important. Like it's huge. If anybody listening to this knows, is, or knows someone who is looking for a new job, find someone that has your back. Do not work somewhere. I've, I'll say this. I've, I've been there for six years now. And mistakes happen, and we and we talk about them between one department to the other. But I have never one time seen our owner in front of someone or with the door closed, like berate an employee. It's a conversation that happens because shit happens sometimes. Let's have a talk. Let's make sure it doesn't happen again. If you really did something bad, we're gonna ask you to leave now. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> like it's they're just very. Working for someone that respects you is huge. Yeah. I joke with my clients sometimes, be like, I could be here selling you a toilet and I wouldn't care because the people I work for are that awesome and the company I work for has my back. Yeah. You know? So that's great. Yeah. That is really good. Um, any advice for listeners? Haven't I given enough sage advice you have. so far? You've given a lot. Advice for listeners go back and start the podcast over. And listen one more time. Nice. Okay. <laughs> get, get get give all the podcast of Eric's, a second yeah, listen. Yeah. Grab some friends. <laughs> get all of my build a little campfire. All of my build a little campfire. Write a song. It's good. Record it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you have given a lot of sage advice. Eric. Yeah, yeah. I like that. Where can people find you online and learn more about? what you're doing with the heritage so the heritage site is www.theheritage.co co not com com without the m co and you can get on links to purchase our stuff links to listen to everything you can listen to all the recordings we've got out there spotify is also uh, that's where i listen to our music okay <laughs> <laughs> um i'm a big spotify guy so and you just search for the heritage and it'll pop up we've legally gotten everybody else removed off of there (laughs) after some battles so yeah we trademarked it and got some people booted that's another story jen could have gone oh boy with you yeah it's pretty funny i bet that was took a lot yeah seems like there's a lot of when you just search the heritage google it so there uh, was one band in not to get off topic but there was one band in particular called the heritage that were from like texas and were just like shit kicking like love guns in my truck you know like that kind of songs but not good Um, and they were using the heritage name but we had trademarked it so our uh, peter von shaver who's a local uh entertainment lawyer he uh we enlisted him he wrote them cease and desist letter which they thought was a joke and said, yeah, we're not do we're not changing our name or getting rid of it. They're like, we've got a big deal, come with CMT and like all this stuff. And like, great. And they can pay to change, give us money. To, and we gave them the option. Like, you sure. can pay us for the name, for the rights to the name, or you can stop using it. And they're like, yeah, whatever. Ha ha. So then they got 
legal notices, their stuff got taken down off of iTunes and off of Spotify. Wow. Like Peter went hard at them and they're like, oh, these guys aren't joking. So, um, but that was fun. <laughs> not gonna lie that was fun wow uh so apparently they've changed their name and um so yeah www.theheritage.co my instagram and twitter are the same it's mr longbine mr for mr and then my last name longbine just like it sounds um on twitter and instagram and my wifey's on there too. It, she told you hers. And she her, did. Yeah, her that's on hers. Yeah. We'll go back and listen to that one too. You can. My awesome wife, I've been talking about, is also uh, one of Danny's guests. Yes. In a previous episode about her book and about mm-hmm. the music mm-hmm. stuff. So yeah, yeah her so. book's getting ready to. I know that's she exciting. She got the final draft back. And wow. She's happy with it, so it's going to go to print, and I think she's going to have her first copy of it in pr- probably within a month. Oh wow. Yeah, I was thinking September, but maybe uh, sooner than that. I think she'll Oops. get a copy. Okay, before I see. it goes to like print. Okay, print. So yeah, nah, she may it may be longer. I think the last time she told me that's what she thought, but maybe she's heard different. I don't know. Yeah, who knows? That's that's exciting. Definitely was a long process with that. Yeah. <laughs> Are there any questions I should have asked you that I didn't? Mm. Anything else you want to cover? I was really looking forward to the Detroit story, and I got to tell Detroit that. story. That was a good story. <laughs> well, when you first asked me to do this, and you know, like, hey, let's sit down and talk about you. Like, that's the first thing that came right. in my head was that, like, what's the craziest thing that's ever happened? Because I'm, I'm sure, like, without seeing any of the questions, which I didn't see any of these yes. before time, which I actually really liked. Yeah, you did great. But I'm sure that that question was going to be in there somewhere so i'm like oh i got a story yeah yeah Uh, that's a good one i'm glad glad you lived to tell the tale i'm glad i lived to tell the tale glad it wasn't worse no and i didn't even talk about the toilets in that building oh my god oh yeah it was the whole experience it was brutal but there was a ping pong table in there we played that was good yeah ping pong's good yeah yeah nice kept us sane (laughs) well eric thank you so much for taking the time thank you man this is super fun it was fun thank you all right Bye-bye. Find out more at artmedianorthwest.com. A-R-T-M-E-D-I-A-N-W dot com. Mm-hmm.